Hi, this is Louis Canio. Welcome to the Doctor and Dad podcast. This fast-paced weekly podcast delves into the latest scientific findings on how we can all live longer and better lives. I'm the dad, and my daughter, Nicole, is a family medicine doc who trained at the renowned Cleveland Clinic. We hope you enjoy this short, informative show, and please be sure to visit thedoctorandad.com. Uh, and by the way, the doctor is abbreviated in that. So it's T-H-E-D-R-A-N-D-D-A-D.com for the show notes um, and other resources to help you learn about extending your health span. Within the notes, you'll find links to a bunch of stuff we discussed. So be sure to check it out. And thanks for listening. Hi, doctor. Hi, dad. So today's episode is on the brain, and it really seems like our physical health, you know, the fundamentals of what we should do to maintain, um, or it seems unlike our physical health, I'm sorry, Um, the fundamentals of what we should do to maintain strong cognitive functionality isn't all that clear. You know, we understand that proper nutrition and exercise are necessary for a healthy body, but really, what can we do to maintain a healthy brain? And, and that's the, obviously the focus of our discussion today. So let me ask you a, a question. Did, did you cover this in, in medical school? What did they teach you about you know, brain health? Um, we did. So when it comes to med school and topics that are covered, there is so much to be covered that you are kind of exposed to a little bit of everything and a lot of detail, but nothing seemingly in enough detail. And then that's kind of where residency falls, where you um, kind of hone in. So, you know, of course, the neurology residencies are going to learn a whole lot more, but we definitely cover brain health in general, mostly in the context of dementia, when we're kind of going through that rotation when we learn about different types of dementia and work with patients with dementia that's kind of where we learn more about kind of preventative stuff that might work might not work and then treatments so we cover it probably never never cover enough but yep and and so much has been um is is being learned about how the brain functions yeah so it's constantly changing they're probably learning new things now today in med school than I learned. Exactly. Exactly. And that, that, that goes for medicine in general, right. but I think it, it even more so from the, uh, from the perspective of, of the brain, because um, it is such a unique uh, you know, organ within our, within our body. Yep. So, um, so, so, you know, uh, how about um, this, this question from a clinical perspective, how often, are you dealing with Alzheimer's or dementia? And what's the difference between the two uh, within, your, within your practice? So dementia is more of like a blanket term. It's kind of a, a generalization that refers to kind of the cognitive decline um, to the point where it interferes with your someone's like day-to-day functioning. There are a ton of different types of dementia, Alzheimer's dementia being the most common And that one in particular is associated with like the amyloid plaque buildup and tangles in the brain. But there's vascular dementia, Parkinson's dementia, Lewy body, frontotemporal dementia with all their own, um, you know, separate causes or unknown causes, you know, depending on which one 
Um, And we, I mean, I definitely see it a lot. I think there's like something like every three seconds, someone's diagnosed with dementia or almost 10 million new cases a year. But the interesting thing is even in like the high income countries, um, only 20 to 50% are recognized, diagnosed and treated. So the majority of people with dementia haven't had a formal diagnosis yet. Um, Part of that is probably because there is no simple, like, here's your blood test. This is what kind of dementia you have. Um, The symptoms are subtle, especially at first. Obviously, they can become, you know, much more significant once it progresses. But at first, they can be pretty subtle. And there's not a whole lot of, you know, treatments that we have. So all of those things are kind of like... I think reasons why it can go so un underdiagnosed. Um, but I certainly see it a lot um, when it becomes significant because there's such a problem in primary care with lack of time, time constraints. These patients deserve and need, you know, a lot of time. Right, right. So they are often referred, um, referred on, but we see it. We yeah. still see it. And is it is it both like issues with memory heck i i you know i struggle to remember where i left my keys on a daily basis yep. and, and often wonder if this is the you know, beginning of the decline but but i think I, i've been i've been that way for 25 years so who knows mm-hmm. if it's gotten any worse or uh, so so you know but so i think memory is a part of it but is it also kind of emotional um, yeah, and then that also more. depends on the type of dementia um, and kind of where it's uh, impacting the brain. But it is, yeah, it's memory is just one one part of it. Um, higher order, like higher order functioning, like paying your bills, driving to the grocery store, handling your money, um, going outside and taking a walk around the neighborhood and not getting lost, um, being able to even like. Um, kind of your regular motor functioning, you can lose that as, of course, brain function declines. Um, So it's not just a memory thing. It's kind of how you're able to function day to day in every aspect of your life. It all encompasses that cognitive decline. Gotcha. Gotcha. So so let's talk about um, some of the, the things out there that are purported to help with um, you know, cognitive decline or Alzheimer's is all of these, you see them all over the, you know, um, whether it's TV or radio or print ads, um, these supplements that claim to have, um, you know, to help with memory and maybe, maybe even outright help with, with Alzheimer's or other, mm-hmm. other um, cognitive decline. Uh, so, if if a if a patient comes to you and says, "Hey, you know, um, I'm I'm fe- you know I'm, I'm concerned about this, and 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 I see all of these ads for supplements," what do you what do you tell them? Oh, um, I think that in some cases it warrants um, a little bit of research on the end of the practitioner uh, to make sure that we're giving the appropriate advice because there's a lot of misinformation out there. So in some cases, some of these things like vitamin E, for example, if someone wants to take a supplement for their Alzheimer's, 
there's not great evidence behind it, but maybe it might help. So in that case, it's like, it's not going to hurt you. It could potentially help you, but by and large, I usually am very skeptical of supplements. Um, I don't know that there's a supplement that I would spend my money on and take, you know, right now. So, but people are kind of desperate and it's hard because I think what we're going to focus more on is the individual medicine. So while a lot of these supplements don't work in the average study population, if you're someone who has certain genetic variants or you're deficient in something like zinc, and zinc is known to affect potentially Alzheimer's disease, and you'd be someone who would benefit from zinc, whereas in mass, it's not going to gotcha. not going to do much. So it's it's always yeah. a tough yeah. question. Yeah. So if you're so that's a that's a good distinction. If you're deficient in, in some sort of vitamin or mineral, which uh, specifically is known to um, be related uh, in effect. some way. Yep. Yeah. Then, then it makes sense. But all of these other formulations with who knows what in them. Right. I mean, ginkgo is the is kind of the the, yes. the the poster child. But there's all kinds of other stuff. There's really no um, scientific studies that that can can definitively point to a, any sort of. Well, and most uh, of them, right. Most benefit. of them will actually do the opposite. They'll they'll show that there is no benefit. Uh, right. So. The, right. what the, the claims that they're making are are being kind of debunked but people but for you know for whatever reason because um of the way they're able to market these things people still think that they're the the solution yeah. and we talked about before how many billions of dollar of dollars are spent on supplements every year exactly exactly well and and i don't think we talked about it on our on our supplement show specifically but there's this kind of uh uh new uh, uh category of these brain uh, enhancing supplements I, I think they're called nootropics mm-hmm. and they are purported to not necessarily be targeted at people with alzheimer's or cognitive decline or, or what have you but people who are healthy completely healthy and are being advertised as ways that you can enhance your thinking ability mm-hmm. and actually become, I guess, smarter, so to speak, <laughs> than, than you are. Yeah, so, just by taking so. a pill. Yeah. Uh, have you ever gotten a? Uh, have you ever gotten that that kind of inquiry from a from a patient? No. Um, the most <laughs> common one I'm getting right now is usually the CBD oil. <clears throat> stuff gotcha. but but yeah. there's the occasional person who'll come in with a list of stuff that I haven't even heard of before um but most people seem to be fairly reasonable around this reasonable. well I got I have to admit I um I fell prey to the uh to to the the pitch mm-hmm. so I, mm-hmm. I I and and not to single it out but I I the one of the um, most, um, I, I don't know, um, highly marketed, um, products is called alpha brain. It's, it's put out by a company called on it. So nothing, nothing, you know, specific against this company, but, um, you know, I, I think I bought a couple of, of bottles of it and, 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 whatever, it and, might, it. <laughs> and I don't know anything spe- specifically about that one. It might help. And they might, I, I usually say to people, I can't tell you that it's doesn't do anything. Um, but we just try to go off of what evidence we have. Well, in, in fact, they, they claim that um, they have, their drug has been tested at least once um, by, uh, by this, this um, 
this organization called the Boston Center for Memory. Mm-hmm. And um, it, they claim, and it was a double blind clinical trial. So, you know, a, a, a well constructed mm-hmm. trial that showed that um, it, it, it did deliver improvements versus a, a placebo. However, um, they th- that's one study. There weren't a ton of people. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's been replicated. And in the fine print, and you've got to look hard to find it, it does say not approved by the FDA for any sort of, you know, disease prevention or improvement or, or what have you. Yeah. So then that positive um, result should hopefully warrant, you know, some larger studies to see if it ends up being of, of some. Right. And, and I think that study was maybe 2016, 2017. So that's, think, that's pretty recent still. Though. Well, pretty recent, but if you, you'd think if there was that, you know, if, if there was that yeah. much, potential there'd, right. there'd be follow-up studies the other thing about this stuff and and probably the reason i didn't continue to do it is it's, it, it's expensive yeah so mm-hmm. they say you, you want it you want to take two capsules a day the, the cost is um i think 90 capsules so a month and a half supply is 80 dollars, including shipping so yeah we're talking somewhere north of 600 dollars a year right for something that um you know who, who knows and i've got so. patients on you know medicare who can just barely afford their regular blood pressure medication and inhalers. So it's not something that seems applicable to the average patient, but you know, you never know. This could be something in 10 years that you find out is, is actually helpful. Usually what I say is if we had something that was known to really help blank or be a, a quote unquote cure for blank, people would be taking it. Everyone would be taking it. We would be telling you to take it. So right, right. it's not like there's hidden treatments for stuff that, you know, no one else knows about, but the people who, you know, read these articles. So exactly. And, and so it, it, you know, for people who do are experiencing Alzheimer's, some sort of cognitive decline, there are really no, am I correct? There are really no medications that have been proven to, you know, stop, or cure that certainly no Um, certainly no cure there are medications that help improve memory to some degree there's a couple different medications that are used um that that do show some like improvement or they'll kind of delay symptoms or they'll it'll improve your your memory as the disease itself progresses nothing that's going to halt the progression of it or stop the progression of it um but there's definitely a lot of research, you know, on a more personalized approach and getting all of your own personal biomarkers figured out to see, you know, what might help you individually. So, right. And there's certainly they know the kind of the biomarkers that can um, that can mm-hmm. increase your risk because it is a, right. a it is kind of hereditary type of if you know if it if it runs in the family, so to speak, then your mm-hmm. your risk is is higher. Um, yep. yep. So, and and I, I got to tell you, we're, we're I think we're pretty fortunate that if I look at at our family or, you know, your family on both sides of the aisle, my family on both sides, you know, both father and mother, um, the genetics are, are pretty good on both both sides of that. Knock on wood. Yeah, um, it's the kind of it's the APOE4 gene um, that is associated with a 
two to threefold increase in risk of developing Alzheimer's. Um, and that must not be anywhere in our family. I know I had my like 23andMe done um, and I don't have that gene variant, but that's the one that I think it's like a third of the population has that variant. Um, so it's not to say that everybody with that variant is going to get Alzheimer's, but it does increase your risk pretty significantly. Right. Well, but boy, that's, it's got to be such um, a kind of, um, I don't know, a, a feeling to know that you have that gene marker yep. and that there's no, that there's no cure, so to speak, right. you know, it kind of, kind of feels like you're under the, under the gun. And, yep. and I, and I remember, you know, around this cure thing, I remember just reading and it might've been like two weeks ago at the most that these, these uh, two, kind of highly anticipated drug trials, late stage drug trials were all of a sudden halted um, that, that were focused on um, what looked like a pretty promising um, potential, not if, if not cure, at least treatment for Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. because it really um, it really looked like uh, these drugs had an effect on these amyloid plaques that are very that, that kind of the hallmark of, of Alzheimer's. Um, yeah and they were they were stopped Mm -hmm. uh, because while these drugs did have an effect on on clearing the amyloid plaques they did they had no effect on the actual disease or symptoms of the disease right as it progressed Um, and and to, to show how much of an impact it had. One of these companies, Biogen was, was one of these companies, they lost $15 billion in value yeah. when that news came out. It was because they, this, there will be such value. Oh, to... it's like a race against the clock to find out who's going to figure it out and do it because, you know, money is what drives a lot of this, which is fine. Um, because if it's going to further research to get something on the market that actually does help then fantastic. But yeah, these companies want nothing more to, than to be the ones who find the drug that, that actually makes a difference. Yeah. And who knows how many millions of dollars went into that, oh, getting to gosh. that point. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> and then it's money down the tubes, but I, I will say. They I, make I, it back. Uh, I'm sure. on the. <laughs> with- well, they eventually, hopefully. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise why they wouldn't be in business. Yeah. Um, I, I will say that um, I, I recently listened to a podcast and we'll link to it in, in the show notes for, for folks who are listening uh, because it, it is really interesting. It, it, it's a it kind of almost a contrary hypothesis on uh, the, the, the kind of underlying fundamental cause of this, of these cognitive diseases like Alzheimer's. And, and um, this, um, this researcher's hypothesis, his name is Francisco Gonzalez Lima. Um, his hypothesis, and he's got, he's got evidence to back it up to some extent, is that, um, that Alzheimer's and other cognitive type diseases um, it, are primarily due to a lack of energy reaching the brain due to impaired blood flow mm-hmm. that, you know, as we get older, um, we all experience some level of hardening of the arteries. Right. And as our arteries harden um, and, and become less elastic, which, which actually helps push blood through our bodies, mm-hmm. then the heart has to work harder and blood pressure goes up as a result. 
Yep. And and we all kind of not we all, but this generally it's it's fairly fairly widely experienced, and that has a particularly bad effect in the capillaries in the brain, which ultimately you know supply blood and therefore nutrients energy to the 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 neurons and uh, the uh, other cells in the brain, and because there's less energy than is required, then certain cells have to be essentially um, destroyed or um, abandoned, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And that cellular uh, degeneration um, is ultimately what causes the plaques and ultimately what causes that cognitive decline. Have you ever heard of this theory? It, it, It may, you know, I, I don't have the expertise to, to, no, to and it's, provide any judgment. Right. I mean, I haven't heard that particular theory. Um, not that it's not out there and being talked about. It's just not a topic that I'm generally right. the latest, greatest, you know, info on. But info. it's it's it, it makes sense. Um, yeah. So could certainly go somewhere and provide another potential role for other medications if we kind of shift gears into how we think the amyloid plays a role and yeah well and and it kind of it kind of aligns with a a couple of things if the you know if removing amyloid doesn't um, help right then it it, you know amyloid is just a byproduct of this cellular right you know so then what is the cause that kind of made, and there was there's another um, study I saw, and again we'll link to it in the show notes. That inflammation in midlife is associated with higher rates of cognitive decline, mm-hmm. which which again may point to that that energy thing, and may may point to this not necessarily being an issue that we just have to worry about when we're 70, 80, 90 years old, but um, when when we're actually much younger, for example, um, this the 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 doctor on the podcast I was referencing is is, is saying, hey, you know, the, if you're experiencing high blood pressure in your 40s and 50s, then you probably should be more aggressive around mm-hmm. lowering blood, you know, mm-hmm. taking blood pressure lowering medications or limiting salt, all those things you can do to, to limit blood pressure because, you know, the the reality is that sort of damage is incremental right and and kind of like cardiovascular disease but can begin in you know really right it doesn't happen overnight progressive yep yep exactly and and you know what the the other kind of interesting thing is around this energy thing i i i looked it up the the brain actually uses about 20 percent of all the energy Mm -hmm. used within your body but it's only two percent of the mass of your body yep so it is a, a a energy uh not drain or suck or whatever i guess it, it, the terminology but it's it, it is uh, and that's that's why they say if you know if you're in cold weather and you, uh, the, the the best way to warm up is put a hat on mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of your heat your energy your heat loss is through your head mm-hmm. because of all that uh, all that energy expenditure so uh i i, I for one other thing at you before we talk about what the research says actually does work to, to help out your, your brain. I just thought this was very interesting. I just came across it within the past day or so. There's this 
um, hormone in our bodies. And I'd never heard of this thing called clotho. And I may be pronouncing that wrong. Have, have you ever heard of a, of a hormone ca- called clotho? No, I have absolutely not. <laughs> I've not heard <laughs> well, that at all. Apparently, and, and again, we'll link to the article. It's a New York Times article um, that, um, that, that talks about this hormone that's been found um, that when you inject it, at least into rats, or you, you ramp up the, um, the, the, the way that the hormone is, is produced in, in rats and, and therefore get more of this type of hormone, not only stems, um, it not only stems the, the, the effects of cognitive decline, also enhances brain functionality in healthy mice. So it, it, you know, kind of goes back to that nootropic thing of mm-hmm. being a potential drug you can take to get yep. smarter. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, obviously research is ongoing. Correct. So yes. Nothing. So, so let's go to, let's go to, okay. You know, uh, cut, cut to the chase as we, as we try to do, what does the research say actually works? If you're um, concerned about your cognitive ability, whether you're, I don't know, 40 or 80. Um, there's not, there's not a a lot. Um, so I think the biggest one is exercise. Um, physical activity has been shown to decrease your risk of cognitive decline and, and is something you can do, um, as like a preventative measure. And even if you have developed some form of dementia, you know, it can be helpful. And we, they have known mechanisms for why that works. And that's probably a whole, um, podcast in and of itself, but see, I mean, they know what exercise does to the brain. Um, exercise can affect, you know, different gene regulators and, um, really, really kind of cool stuff. That one is, is a big one. Sleep is another big one. Um, because, there is good evidence that one night of bad sleep increases the amount of amyloid in your brain. And then, you know, the flip side of that, a good night of sleep, meaning at least seven good hours of sleep a night helps wash out some of that. So if you're a chronically poor sleeper, that's a big one, you know, that. Well, it's it's a big one for me because, um, you know, now that I've got this Apple watch, I've got this, this app that tracks my sleep mm-hmm. and it's not great. You know? yeah, it gives you, a, not, it gives you a percentage right, readout. Right. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I mean, I'm sure some of these apps are, are decent. I'm just not convinced that I think the, the wearable devices can track your heart rate pretty well. I think they can track your steps pretty well. I get a little more skeptical when it's like really assessing how good you're sleeping with just this thing on your wrist, but maybe, well, maybe yeah. it's good. And it's, <laughs> and it's well, if you look at the chart, it's actually saying, okay, you were in REM here. Yeah. That, I, don't, and, I would <laughs> like to under, to know how they're using these little figuring that things. out. And, well, and, and I got to, I got to tease our next uh, podcast. We'll, we'll be on sleep mm-hmm. because there's, there's really, really interesting research yeah. on, on sleep. More, that's more important than we even used to think. Um, so that one's that one. Those two things are very important. Um, a few things that haven't really shown a lot of great evidence, but 
probably help in some degree would be your diet. Um, eating a really bad diet that's pro-inflammatory and processed and mm-hmm. everything is not going to help anything. So sticking with um, a diet with healthy fats and plenty of whole foods and vegetables is going to, is, is going to likely help your health. Well, and there's so many other benefits from that. Why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you go down that road? Diet and exercise. Um, And then there is some evidence on, I guess, keeping your mind sharp essentially. So, um, whether it's through a, a job, continuing to work to some degree or volunteer or doing certain puzzles, we say like crossword puzzles and this kind of stuff, just to keep your mind active. Um, because um, if you don't use it, you lose it kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, I think the evidence is kind of meh on that one, um, but still but- makes sense if you're not to just kind of sit around after you're, 65 and potentially retired or 70 and retired and still try to stay active. And then the social interaction piece is huge. So I think they kind of go hand in hand as people get older, they start to lose a lot of um, social connections and that can lead to kind of a less activity in the brain, but then also you worry about depression and, and that sort of stuff. So maybe become isolated. Yeah. I think the last one, maybe caffeine. Um, So I think this is one in so many studies and even recent studies show an association. So we can't say any causation, um, can't say exactly how it works, but it does show time and time again that people who drink more caffeine regularly, and I'm not talking like to the extreme, I'm talking like the, you know, two to four cups a day are less likely to have dementia than those who don't. Well, actually, you, you may be surprised at this. I've got an actual, I've got an epidemiological study of, of this um, going on right now. And, and from what I can, what I can see, um, that with, is with my, yourself, my you mean? no, no, with, with, the, with one of the smartest people I know, which is you. Oh. Yeah. And, and you're also one of the largest coffee drinkers. <laughs> No, I, I probably drink two, <laughs> two or three cups a day. Yeah, yeah. Well, what the what the amazing thing for me is because I'm so sensitive to caffeine, I'll have one right. and a half cups right. maybe in the in the morning. If yeah. I have more than that, I'm a shaking mess. Right. But no, you... I can drink it. I can drink it all day. It doesn't affect me. I don't even really drink it for the caffeine. I just drink it because I like it, and yeah. now I like now I have to drink it. But, um, but I it's it's encouraging to at least know that it's not hurting and. And maybe maybe helping, maybe but that helping. Does, that has been shown over and over again that it is associated with decreased risk of dementia. So, and I think I want to say it's also been associated with lower rates of maybe cancer and yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, cardiovascular disease. There may be some uh, forget what the what the compounds in there are. So mm-hmm. that was. That was good to know. Now, hopefully they won't find out the same thing about that, that they found out about red wine, basically. That is, it, it's actually not good for you. Right. Yeah, actually, so, that was not true. Yeah, but I we'll see. You. Hopefully. Okay. Well, I, you know, again, we, we could go on for hours on, on the, the topic of, of uh, healthy brain, but let's, uh, let's stop there and um, look forward to our next podcast. Well, Thanks, sounds, Nicole. Sounds good. Thank you. Okay. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Bye. 
Thanks again for listening. You can visit thedoctorandad.com. That's spelled T-H-E-D-R-A-N-D-D-A-D.com for show notes to any of our podcasts, as well as other useful info on extending health span. Now the legal disclaimer. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. And no doctor-patient relationship is formed. Use of this information in show notes is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Listeners should not should not disregard or delay taking medical advice or treatment for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their medical professional for any such conditions. We also want you to know that we take no funding from any product or service that may be mentioned on the Doctor and Dad podcast.